Morning, everybody. Welcome. Uh, if it's your first time, you're very welcome. If it's your thousandth time, you're also very welcome. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm just going to start by sharing a little story from an author called James Dobson, who tells a true story of a young lad, a young boy named Frankie, who, uh, who got a, a chair and brought it to the front window of his house, and he was staring out. So what he did is he put the chair behind the curtain, and all as his mother walked past, all, all she could see was these little legs protruding underneath the curtain. And as he was staring out the window, she came up behind him and snuck in just behind him, just to hear him say, in very somber terms, I've got to get out of here. Now, I'm sure many of us have felt that and been able to say that, particularly during the time of lockdown that we had. And sometimes we have felt trapped. And we're going to read this morning from 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7, of a person that may have felt trapped just like that. And it was of a, of a woman, a widow in the Old Testament, who was trapped in a situation she couldn't get out of. And that was out of her control. And so, as I said, our main text this morning is 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. And the NIV reads like this. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing at all, she said, except for a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask them for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into the jars, and as each one is filled, put one to the side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now, I want to break that down a little bit this morning so that hopefully it will speak to us and challenge us and help us get closer to God. So firstly... It was her cry for help. She cried out as she was left with a debt she couldn't pay. She said that your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Now, during that time, uh, most women were seen as second-class citizens. And without a husband, they often were seen to have no value at all. They weren't allowed to work or earn money, so that would leave them destitute. I mean, what an awful situation to be in. And it was only made worse, not only that has her husband died, but now she could lose her two sons too. As was common practice in that time, her two sons were, would have to work to pay off a debt. But this creditor wanted to have a higher price. This time, he wanted the two sons to work as slaves for him. Now, according to the law, they would have to be slaved for six years and only released on the seventh. That means if, even if the debt was paid off early, according to the law, they would have to be stuck there for six years. And that is a long old time. The creditors had used that part of the law. They'd used it for their own advantage and their gain, forgetting that the whole point of that part of the law was that the slaves could be freed after six years. and They didn't have to have a life of slavery. 
And the sons, of course, they would have taken care of their mother in her old age. So it would have meant she would have faced loneliness, possibly, bereavement, destitution, despair, possibly even early death because of the oppression of the creditor. But God had made special provision for a widow's and orphan in Scripture. They were not meant to be oppressed or even taken advantage of. And we read that in Exodus 22, verses 22 to 23. And it says that do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do, they, and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. I believe God heard her cry that day. Elisha then asked an important question. What do you have in your house? God uses what we already have for his glory. What we have in our hands, he uses. He's the one that changes it and transforms it. And what she had that day was olive oil. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, If you haven't, check it out. It's a really great movie. But the father in that movie used Windex window cleaner for so many things. Particularly if you had a, a cut or a bruise or a sore, he would spray Windex. Now, please, don't do that. It's not a great idea to do. Uh, use something else you know, that's medical. Don't, don't use Windex window cleaner. But similarly for the Israelites, olive oil was used for so many things. Now, it could be from anointing kings to spreading on bread. It could be a remedy for stomach issues or a healing balm to lamps, for fuel for lamps in homes and in temples. And also, the, an oil-based perfume or fragrant ointment is really expensive. One jar of oil-based perfume could sell for as much as one laborer's year salary. So olive oil was seen in high regard. Number two, her answer. Elisha instructed her to go to all her neighbors and ask for empty jars. I'm always interested in why he asked her to go to all her neighbors and ask not for just a few jars, but for several. Well, to be honest, the text doesn't tell us. But several people have come up with a few thoughts on this. Now, one, it could be obedience. When Elisha told her to do what she was told to do, she had to be obedient to that. Some say it's faith. I mean, it would have taken for her a level of faith and trust to do that. And I thought this was interesting, that he may have wanted to remind the community that they had a responsibility to her, which they were not fulfilling. I mean, they could have helped her. They could have all chipped in to pay something or at least cover the payment for her sons to be released. But now everyone, every family in the community was going to be involved in contributing something. But whatever the reason, it was no small feat on her side. A widow to go to the door of every home that may have cast her aside was no small task. So then number three, her miracle. She did what was asked and poured the oil, and the oil kept on flowing. So we read in verse 6, it says that when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. What an amazing miracle that was. The oil kept pouring until the jars ran out, from a small amount of oil to several completely full jars. She followed what she was commanded to do, pouring oil into the jars. Even when the jars were full, she wanted to keep going, but she had what she needed. God gave her a miracle that met her need and more. Now, Scripture has a way of showing us that while our problems may appear to be insurmountable in our eyes, are really just opportunities for God in disguise. Therefore, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're called to face, learn to turn to God first to help you in your need. Because he cares, he is able, 
and he can work on your need. And then four, her fulfillment. Verse seven, it says she went. And then also that when the rescuers, or when the rescuers, when she was rescued before the boys were, oh, I messed that up. Okay. There was enough oil to pay the debt, to make sure her sons would be free. They were rescued before the creditor arrived. They would arrive, and when he arrived, she would have been able to pay the debt and then live free for the rest of her life. Just a few thoughts before I conclude. This is, I thought this was really fascinating, that among the more than 200 times that oil is mentioned in the Bible, there is a connection to a metaphor of the presence of the Holy Spirit and his action, particularly in the anointing of prophets, priests, and kings. And the word anointing and oil are synonymous when speaking about the Holy Spirit. So in Isaiah 61.1, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And this is what Jesus read about himself. When he opened the scroll of the temple, he read this. This is talking about himself. And the metaphor of oil indicates a continuity. So a continuity between the Holy Spirit's abiding presence and the action between Jesus and Christians. Acts 2.17 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out, there's that pouring, that pouring out of my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. The metaphor of oil, the visible, tangible liquid poured and absorbed by God's people, tells of the invisible presence and action of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has been poured out and he will perform the Father's will in humanity to convict us all of sin as the Father draws, draws all people to Jesus until the whole world hears. The oil of God, the Spirit, never runs out. He never runs out. He baptizes us into one body, sanctifies us, which means sets us apart as holy and seals us for a day of salvation. So in conclusion... I want to say this, that the widow owed a debt she couldn't pay. And we can empathize with her in that. Jesus paid our debt of sin on the cross. Her story, like ours, is one of redemption. Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, wants to minister to your life today. We have to receive the gift of salvation that the Father offers through the Son, who rose from the dead by the power of the same Spirit. So firstly, if you have walked away from God... The Father is willing to welcome you back with open arms. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't let this moment pass you by. He wants to change your life for good. If you are feeling dry and empty, the anointing makes the difference. If life has become routine, let God pour out fresh anointing on you today. Psalm 92.10 says, I have been anointed with fresh oil. With a fresh anointing, the atmosphere and situations can change. You don't have to struggle to do his work in your own strength. We can walk in his anointing and the power of his Holy Spirit. If you are in a situation or something that has come against you and it seems too much for you, 
Trust in God. Trust in God. Let the Spirit guide you as he is enough for you and more. For he does not end, and our situation will. He is enough for you today. And lastly, there's power in the anointing of the church in the world. Psalm 133, 1-2 says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down onto the collar of his robe. Living in unity and harmony is like precious oil, soothing, anointing, cleansing, and healing. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, I thank you for everybody that is watching this morning. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you will reach out to those who have not known Jesus, that you draw them to yourself that those who've known the name of Jesus have maybe walked away, that you draw them back with open arms. And for those who may feel dry or in a situation that's too much, let the oil of the anointing of the Holy Spirit refresh us all this morning, that we may know that God is enough and more for us in this day. In Jesus' name, amen.